You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 62 with Colleen Cavanaugh. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Heart Food Podcast. I'm going to keep this intro pretty short because the episode that we have today with Colleen Cavanaugh is amazing and it doesn't need a big intro. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff, many things that are near and dear to my heart as many of you all know. We talk about um, how to shift your story, how to own your story how to create a new life for yourself. We talk a lot about spirituality, like practical spirituality, how to trust your life and honor your path. And she is just such a delight. We met through my friend or our friend, Madison Lukens, who was episode 10 of the podcast. So shout out to Madison for connecting us. And we just had such a great time talking. We're both the type of people who are deep and introspective and, you know, who just like getting into the meat of conversations. And that's really what this was. So if you have been feeling like you're stuck, like you can't find like the joy in your life path right now, this is such an amazing episode for you to listen to. And it's good, like, to be honest, just for everybody. So Colleen is the host of the podcast, The Afterlife, Stories of Transformation After Loss, and is a national speaker, personal strategist, dementia expert, and author. A professional organizer trained in the practice of mindfulness or mindful presence, she supports clients with compassionate coaching where practicality meets spirituality. So Colleen has a really amazing story. She took care of her terminally ill parents for a long time. And once her father passed away, she kind of found herself in a place where she didn't know what to do. And, you know, sometimes when we do something for a really long time, we feel like we don't know who we are on the other side of that. So again, if you can relate to any of that, if you are just a human who, you know, loves these deep conversations, um, I was actually on Colleen's podcast as well. So I will link to that in the show notes too. But I know you guys are you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. She also has an amazing workbook that I'm going to be posting in the show notes. So all of her information can be found in the show notes. You can find her at uh, thelongestdance.com or at thelongestdance on Instagram. And again, her podcast is The Afterlife. I also have to quickly talk about my mastermind because there was such an amazing response. Um, once I put it out there publicly last week, uh, I had talked about it like really discreetly here on the podcast for maybe two episodes, just giving you guys a little bit of a background as to the fact that it's happening because I feel like the people who listen to the show are like my VIP people, my special people uh, who tune in every week to listen and to see what's up and to hear these conversations but I put it out to my email list. I did one email and one Instagram post and the response was really overwhelming for me and it was amazing. So I've been talking to women uh, last week and this week coming up, I'm going to be advertising it a little bit more, but we are already 
about halfway filled. So I only have about three spots left. Um, it's going to be a really, really intimate group. We're going to be running from January to June, mid-January, mid-end of January to mid-end of June, exactly six months. And this is for in-person and online businesses. Um, I also really encourage people that are scared um, to do the, to apply anyway. You can find the application in the show notes. It's also in my Instagram profile in my link tree. Um, but you guys know my story that I was nauseous and feeling like I was undeserving and didn't belong to my own mastermind. Um, that I was a part of this past year and it totally changed my life. And I'm now a person who is always going to invest in herself because it changed my life so much. And I remember one time sitting in dinner, um, sitting at dinner in Mexico this past May with my mastermind women and our coach and just sitting there and just being in awe and being so grateful to be there for not you know, really not having the ability to imagine me not having done this decision, even though, or chosen to make this decision to be a part of it, because it changed my life so much. And our coach said, you know, we're only the 1%. Like most people don't do this out of fear, um, maybe out of money, but I've also learned that it's really not about the money either. Because what happens is that if we're not scared to invest, then first of all, it's always going to be scary. But the thing is, it's really not about like losing that money. It's about not trusting ourselves enough to make it back. So I just want you to think about that because with the tools and strategies that I'm going to be teaching you, and if you take action, if you take the appropriate action and keep the ball rolling and share and tell your story and be vulnerable and do all of the, you know these things that really make for an amazing personal brand, um, then we will be on track to, I don't want to say exactly, like the whole point of it is to make the investment back because you're going to grow so much personally, but that is part of the plan. And that is my goal for everybody is to double and triple their investment in the course by the end of 2019. So if you're out there, if you're an NTP, if you are um, a nutritionist, if you're a registered dietitian, if you are someone in health who really wants to grow their business and expand and leverage, again, it doesn't have to just be for online businesses. We're going to be talking about in-person businesses too, because the way we market for that is the same just in person. But if you've been feeling stuck, if you've been feeling like there's so much information out there and you just don't know what to do, maybe you've like bought courses or books, but like those haven't helped you. I remember buying a book on internet marketing and reading it and like, just being like, F this, like, this is just too much work. But having somebody who has been there before and who has done it and has overcome those obstacles and those boundaries is really everything. And when we think back to points in our life when we've really made great strides, when we have really accomplished something, when I think back to those times in my life, I've always had somebody alongside me who has done it already and that has made the entire difference. So the mastermind is called the Heart Biz Mastermind, sort of a play on you know, this brand, like Heart Food Podcast, Heart Biz Mastermind, um, keeping it all wholehearted and centered. And we are going to be talking a lot about self-care, nutrition, and movement. So there's going to be a big component on that too, because we know that we don't operate on the same level if we are not fed and nourished and have moved our bodies and have sort of gotten in touch with our thoughts and all of that. We're going to be talking about manifestation. Um, but this is for women, these three women who are going to take these last spots. Um, for women who want to get, get better and level up and create a whole brand new life for themselves that they don't know how to do. And they, may, they, might, they, <laughs> they might have felt lost in the process. So... Even if you're scared, I really urge you to apply. We can talk about your options. I am offering payment plans, so even extended payment plans, so you don't need to pay the full chunk of money immediately. Um, but again, it's going to be totally worth it. It's going to be amazing. 
There's only going to be loving intention in the group. I will not be tolerating gossip or pettiness or any of that. We are ready to move forward and level up. And if you are feeling that way, this mastermind is for you. So be sure to apply. But let's get right into the episode. I really hope you guys love Colleen. Definitely reach out to her if this story resonates with you. And um, I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Colleen. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I had such a great time talking to you on your show, The Afterlife, which I will link in the show notes for people to find if they haven't listened to it already. But you and I actually connected through our mutual friend, Madison, who's also been on the show. She was episode 10. um, And now we're in the 60s. Yes. And that's how I found you when she was on your show. Oh, amazing. Oh, I love that. Um, So I just really love what you're about. I love how you sort of take these things that we all go through in our lives, uh, feeling stuck, owning your story, things that can be very difficult in life and really create something beautiful and helpful for people out there. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and let us know what you do now and how you got to where you are. And I know that that's a big question, but you can sort of take it whatever way you want to. Okay. My name is Colleen Cavanaugh, and I, to define myself, it's interesting that you start off with Madison because she was on my show as well, Mm -hmm. and we talked about not defining ourselves and that there's a real freedom and power in that. And I really do believe that as somebody who continues to evolve each stage of life or each season, and it's... um. It has it, always been my toughest question of, so what do you do? And I wish yes. I could say, I'm a veterinarian. I know. I, this is the one thing I do. And when you have all these different interests and when you're able to um, incorporate all the things you love in your life, it becomes very difficult to define yourself. Totally. So so in, I guess, to the specific terms, I am a personal strategist and I help predominantly women uh tell their story and own their story. And this usually comes about after transition periods, generally after maybe they've cared for one of their parents and they've kind of given over their sense of self to that care. And when the person has died, they're left with like, well, wow, who am I? How do I become who I am. And there can be that real loss of self. So we work on that. And I also love the idea of transformations. And so I host a podcast called The Afterlife, which is stories of transformation after loss that allows people to share their stories about what happened to them that has transformed them into a person into a life that they never could have imagined existed. And the interesting part of that transformation is that it generally always comes out of one of the most difficult parts of living this life. And I love before and after photos, especially with houses and Mm. interiors. And I love it with people too, right? But I... I'm really curious about what happens in between in that liminal space Mm. when you are in the middle of it. How do you get through it? And oftentimes we can feel like we're the only person that is going through it or has ever gone through it. And I wanted to create a space where people can find other people who've been through it and say, hey, I, I made it and you will too. I love that so much. And I'm almost getting emotional just hearing you put it in that way because, you know, I had my own story of transformation and people can see the visual of me, you know, 70 pounds ago and then, you know, down and then up again and down and up. But what really happens in between there and what and the things that you can't see, that is the magic to me when it comes to transformation and whenever somebody is going through something, um, I would love for you to talk about this next sort of how we can reframe loss, struggle, uh, the things that we resist in life um, to sort of be this opportunity for that really, really deep and amazing transformation, which doesn't feel like it in the moment at all, usually. 
Right. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's the worst feeling yeah. ever. I, I, <laughs> I call it being in the tunnel. Yes. And so when you're in the tunnel, you have no access to natural light. You can't see where you just came from. You can't see where you're headed. You are just surrounded in the tunnel. And you're going through. There could be a traffic jam. It could be really slow or you could be zipping through it at warp speed. But regardless, you don't know where you're heading. And when you're in there, there's nothing else you can do except get through it, right? And when you, I like that you use the word resist because resisting it is not going to put your foot on that gas pedal that's going to get you to the other side. So when you accept what's happening, whether you like the thing or not, generally you're in that tunnel and you don't like what's happening because it's hard. It's, uh, it, it's just not, it wasn't part of your plan, right? And nobody likes having their plans shifted on them. After enough times going through tunnels in life, you start to learn, oh, wait, there's always an end. I'm always going to come out of this thing and I'm going to be different. And when you can realize that and have the trust that comes from the buildup of all those other experiences, you then can release that resistance, be in that moment of the struggle, if that's what it is to, feels like to you, and know that you are being transformed. Like if you're a piece of clay, right? Mm-hmm. Something, that thing is is molding you. It's got you in between its hands and it is shaping you into someone something different than you were when you started out and that can be comforting in knowing all right this is hard but it's bringing me someplace I love that and what a beautiful metaphor I've never thought of it that way uh I will I always say the only way out is through Mm -hmm. when people are going through that muck and that tough stuff but really creating that analogy to a tunnel is exactly what it is because you can't you can't get out till you're out. Yep. Um so how did you get started doing this work and did your own story sort of create your desire to do what you do today? 110%. <laughs> Which is usually the case, right? With people yes. who do this work, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I tried to resist it for a good good long time. Um Let's see. So I have been evolving ever since school. Um, I started out as a rock journalist and then I moved into high-end retail, merchandising and buying. Became a product designer. Then I became a personal assistant to an author in New York City, which was like my devil wears Prada job. Mm. Um, Went into marketing and design and then came my tunnel or one of them, but like the biggest one that would go on for 10 years, which was caring for my parents who both became terminally ill back to back. Oh, wow. And when I was in that tunnel, I wanted to so badly go in reverse and get back to where I thought my life was supposed to be going. And here came this thing that became so all-encompassing in my life that I had no other choice than to surrender to it and throw my hands up and just say, I, this is what I have to do now. And this is also an opportunity to be able to, I don't, I don't even know what, in real time what the opportunity was that I felt. Um, I can say it retrospectively that it was a time to be able to give back to my parents what they had given to me. And I just knew that I had to do it. Right. And there was no other choice and nobody else was going to be helping them. So I was, I I drew the short straw, I like to say. Um, And my brothers drew the long straw and got to stay out in their lives and not be involved. Mm. And the whole time doing this, I just kept thinking, I just want to go back to my old life. Where is my old life? So when my father died, I was free. I was free to go back to that old life. And I did. I was like, I'm going to do product design again. I'm going to do something so inconsequential, 
nothing that has to do with life or death. I'm going to make bracelets and gift products, and it's just going to be fun. How old were you when this was happening, just out of curiosity? This was when I was, how old was I here? I, I want to say I, I was 42 when my okay. dad died. Okay. And I started I created a website. I created products. I had a, everything was wonderful. It was beautiful. And I couldn't tell anybody about it. Mm, so common. I'm like, yes. I'm like, oh, this is really weird. I, know. I can't sell anything if yes. nobody knows it exists. Uh -huh. And I got this heaviness all around me and just something started bearing down on me. And it was around this time where I started to read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And I also did a course on values-based intentions. And through doing this work and from sitting down and realizing what the things in my life really meant something to me were, I was able to realize that the last 10 years had completely changed who I was as a person. And I wasn't a product designer anymore. I was a new person who had to do a new type of work. And I continued to stay quiet and realized that I had to just file, put one foot in front of another and give myself the space and the time to see what opened up before me. And I realized that pretty early on after my dad died that I was basically all the work that I'd been doing and everything that I had to learn how to do from scratch was like getting a master's degree in what it takes to care for somebody. And then when he died, it was like my job disappeared. And I'm like, what do I do with all this information? And because I felt like I had to make it up as I went along, I said, I have to help other people with this. I don't want anybody else to feel as alone as I did during it. So I took a course and became certified as a caregiving consultant. And then I got certified uh, to become an expert in dementia care and communications. Mm. And the irony was that had you told me during those 10 years that that was what I would get into, I would say you were insane. But here I was because I knew I had to do something that was meaningful and something that was life-giving and connecting to other people. And that's how I ended up there. And I began to meet all sorts of new people who had been through these experiences that were literally life and death and had been transformed through it. And it just continued to snowball. And the creativity and the ideas of you know, exploring who we all were now that we were these new people so to speak, uh, was a really exciting and creative time. And then I started doing speaking and then coaching and the podcast. And, and here I am. Wow, what a powerful, what a powerful story. And I'm sure that you never, growing up, you probably never expected that, you know, to, to go through something like that, and then to sort of teach about it later. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, at, with each job I had, I had a bridge from the previous job in a way that incorporated parts of me in new ways. And so with my podcast, when I landed there, I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Here I am. I've kind of done a homecoming back to my original work as a journalist. But this is just a different medium and in a much more intimate setting. And that intimacy is really something that I now crave and, you know, I think I knew early on when I was in retail that I needed something more and just what didn't have the skill set or the words around listening to what my intuition was to really trust that feeling. You know, I remember my first job at the mall in the clothing store and I took the job because there was this is like so silly um I haven't thought about this in forever either there was a black leather motorcycle jacket that I really wanted and 
my mom was not going to buy this for me. She's like, absolutely not. You don't, you don't wear black clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girls don't wear that. I'm like, what the heck? So I was like, well, and it was kind of expensive. And the only way I was going to be able to afford it on my babysitting salary was if I got the employee discount and started working there. And I think it probably took three days before I realized, oh my gosh, lining up hangers in the same direction is so not anything that I should be wasting my time and energy on because there are elderly people in this neighborhood who have no one coming to visit them. And my time could be spent caring for someone in some capacity. Um, So I was very quickly out of there. Not that I didn't get involved in retail down the road, but that was like that first inkling of hey, this isn't really the right thing for you. And it's interesting because until we pay attention to that or we're told to pay attention, we can just keep going through the motions and accepting what's before us rather than consciously walking into the next thing so that it really fits and aligns with who we are. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's exactly what you said too, that as you go through life, even though it's unexpected and even though it might take you in a path that is surprising to you. Uh, You can also trust that sort of everything that you're going through is almost preparing you for that next thing. Yes. And, And even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment, and it really only happens in retrospect, Mm -hmm. that it makes sense. But I always tell people because people, I've been an entrepreneur for like six, seven years. And People ask me all the time, like, how did you find your passion? How did you figure this out? And I'm like, this is not a straight line at all. (laughs) This is, you know, I started in HR doing presentations and doing two hour presentations every Monday for two years to new hires. So that really groomed me to podcast and to public speak and do lives. But I had no idea back then. Uh, So that's just one example of how I just tell people to, you know, deliberately go on your path, listen to your intuition, but at the same time, trust that you can take nuggets of whatever you're doing and transform that and inspire yourself to the next thing. Absolutely. So I've started to realize that, wow, every job is flowing into the next one in some way or other. And then when I coupled that with realizing that the universe had put me right where I needed to be, which at the time of this realization was getting a divorce that literally shocked everyone we knew, Mm. and then moving from Brooklyn to back home, which shocked no one more than me, because I swear, I, you, I, if you told me I would live where I grew up, I would just, again, would have said, you're crazy. Um, but you know, my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And the unfolding of these events pretty much made me a forever believer in trusting that my present moment circumstances were absolutely perfect, whether I liked those circumstances or not. Mm. And then when you go deeper into that, that trusting really opens you up to being able to live in the present moment. Absolutely. And that's the tool. Uh, to sort of uh, not resist whatever's happening. Um, Because oftentimes, it's not really the thing. Like, of course, we can go through difficult things. But I find that sometimes the resistance towards whatever's happening is, is worse than actually accepting and being in the present moment of whatever's going on. Absolutely. Um. So I would love if we could sort of, we've, we've sort of begun talking about it now, but before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about spirituality and I've been on my own journey, like I've told you for many years now, and it's sort of the foundation of my life. Um, and I know that you have that sort of curiosity as well. So in what ways has spirituality helped you or how did you get into it? How do you explain it to people and what type of role does it have in your life? That was a bunch of questions, but (laughs) (laughs) sort of if you could just talking about, you know, how, how it's helped you and and how you view it. Okay. All right. Let's break this down and keep me on track. Pull me back in if I (laughs) fear enough. Um, So I grew up 
super Catholic and from kindergarten to high school. And I always had questions about things that the nuns could never answer for me. Things that I just knew inside of me that were true and real, but didn't necessarily work with the doctrine that I was being taught. And I ran to a public university because I just needed to get out of this box. I think that's what my essay actually was even about, was about just leaving this box that I was in. And when I got out there and could experience people from all different cultures and religions and see how people worked in the world, um, it was really eye-opening. And I was able to breathe for the first time without that veil of religion and church around me. And when that had lifted off, I was able to just start living. And that opened me up to all the different ideas that exist out in the world. And they all seem to circle around similar concepts of, you know, do unto others, right? Love your neighbor. Really simple. And then it gets, those doctrines and ideas get layered upon with rules and all all the stuff that can come with religion. And then the egoic side of religions where this one religion is the right religion and we're better than you and we're going to go to war with you. And it like, and none of that makes sense. That does, I don't know how any of that has a place in practicing any kind of faith and brings people to being better people. So pulling back from organized religion and being able to discover people who are thinking differently about things and stripping away all of the teachings from the people who came before them became very exciting to me. Um, one of the first people that I heard speak about the doubts that I had growing up as a good little Catholic girl was Rob Bell. I don't know if, if you're familiar. I love him. Me too. I love him, yes. And he was out there talking about these ideas of like, you know, how can there be a hell if God is all forgiving? And it, his message just so resonated with me. And I felt like I could exhale. Like I had literally had been holding my breath for decades of, I've got this feeling that doesn't match up with how I was raised. And then Mm. I could just let it out because I knew now there wasn't something wrong with me right? Like other other people in the world that think like this. This is so wonderful. I have found a place I belong. And then from there, just reading and finding other people who are thinking differently about things. Um, A Course in Miracles um, via Marianne Williamson was incredibly powerful and just like some really common sense ideas on be a good person, do the work, look inside yourself. And that became really appealing to me. A Course in Miracles is also one of my favorite books. Uh, I'm still not through it. <laughs> I started no, it like I five did. years ago. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I always recommend that book to people, but I'm like, that's going to be a lifelong book <laughs> for you, yeah. even if that- you just do a lesson a day. Yeah. That's like the Guinness beer of, uh, you know, of, of spirituality books, I think, like where every sentence is just so thick. Yes. You know, filling. Yes. Uh, So if you had to distill down perhaps like the teachings of spirituality, or if people are brand new to it, or they're feeling a call in their life to go deeper, how would you describe sort of your perspective on the way that you live your life in a spiritual manner? Um. Oh, that is an excellent question and one that I have not thought about to put into words. So let's do this in real time. Um, I believe that connecting to our source, whatever source is to you, right? Is it the universe? Is it God? Is it the energy that we have within us that our soul? And 
realizing that we are all from that same source. And because we're all from the same source, we're all connected. And being able to sense that connection with everyone we meet and not treating people like they are other, that I would say is the foundation to how I try to live. And then realizing that if we go back after we die to become pure spirit and pure energy, we aren't of this world. And what is here in this world that we get to experience? Because I do believe we are here to experience and live in joy. And so what things are there that we get to experience, right? We get to taste all the food. Mm -hmm. We get to feel the brisk chill of the ocean. We get to dance to the music. And that is something that isn't going to be forever because nothing is forever. And how can we take in what is around us, especially in the natural world, right? From where we are from, right? We're, like we're our bot, what our bodies are made out of, right? Like we're made of stars. Um, how do we, how do we live in this manifestation right here, right now? That was a great way of putting it. You did a great job for, <laughs> for distilling it down. Um, what about when it comes to faith and trusting your life? Um, are there ways that spirituality has helped you sort of have faith uh, and trust in those difficult moments when you're in the tunnel, uh, perhaps? I think it's helped give me a language to all of it. Um, the I'm going to have to ask you to repeat the question. How, that last answer blew my <laughs> No, it's okay. I know there was a lot of energy probably to, to put that answer out. But in what ways, what's your perspective on faith and okay. trust, uh, okay. especially as we're going through the tough moments? Okay. Because they can be so valuable. Yes. Um, faith for me becomes less about the classic definition of religious faith and showing up to mass and going through all the ceremony of it. It's something, it's an internal knowing that we have. And rather than it being taught to us, in my case, by the nuns, it's something that we live. We experience it. Things happen to us. We go off course. We get into situations that really aren't ideal. Think all the things that are going to help us learn and expand and grow. And when you go through that enough times, you realize you do, you come out of that tunnel and you're okay and you're safe and you're better than before. And that gives you the ability, it gives me the ability to trust in the moment and knowing I'm going to be brought where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. And I don't think I found that out. I didn't find that out until I was, you know, in my early 30s when my mom got sick. And I've never been able to find another way to frame all of that for myself. Like, unless, you know, there's not that there's not going to be something that happens to me down the road that shifts that idea. But mm -hmm. for right now, that's that's what I sit in. Hmm. Um, there is, yeah, because a lot of people um, come to me. And, you know, they might be going through something difficult and they might come from a religious background and their sort of idea of faith has been distorted just because mm -hmm. they might have gone through exactly what you went through growing up. But I think that if, for me, it's been very helpful to shift it to, like we've been saying, just trusting it, trusting that it's going to, uh, that no matter what happens, you know, I, I think that there's this big misconception out there with spirituality, is, which is that if we do all of the things and pray and meditate, that everything is going to go smoothly. 
And if we sort of dedicate ourselves to spirituality, then it's going to give us a payoff of everything being perfect and okay. But I realized that it's actually that whatever happens to us, if I have that faith and that trust, then we will be able to handle it. Yes. And I'm going to distill that down a le- another level mm-hmm. yet from there. So there are all the things. There's the meditations and the books and the crystals. And yes. those are the, the things. And those are things that are outside of you. They are other. They are others' ideas. They are other things that are not like that are physical things sometimes. And the more I understand and get the ideas of others who are spiritually minded, the more I realize the answers are not in the crystals in my pocket. They are within me. Yes. And I can listen to every guru that is out there and read every book ever written and buy all the incense and whatever and go on all of the retreats. But it doesn't matter if I have any of those things or where I am, but going inward and realizing that I am equipped with everything I need to know for whatever is before me is, I think, probably the most powerful lesson in spirituality for me. Yes, for sure. Uh, Because sometimes it takes excavating to find that voice. (laughs) And it it takes effort. And we don't want to look there. Um, No, think of all the crap that gets put on us by everything, society, our families, even ourselves, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, So that's, yeah. uh, You know, I used to think this too. I'm like, if I just buy the crystals, if I just get all the tarot cards and do all these things, then everything's going to be okay. But I've learned that it's actually a lot simpler than that. Not, Not necessarily easier, but it is simpler to know that whatever I'm going through, I probably have the answer for, mm-hmm. which is good and bad news because uh, <laughs> we don't want to, uh, it puts the pressure, not pressure, but it puts us on the hook to sort of know that we are the great arbiter of our own lives and the great master, which is a big responsibility because it's much easier to just ask somebody else or to rely on a guru to guide you through life. But to know that you have full responsibility is both enlightening, but can also be very hard in the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's because it's so much easier to just blame God for everything. And when you can take responsibility for yourself and your actions, that is the game changer. And then when you go further, it's taking control of your thoughts mm. and shifting your mindset so that your actions after you're done thinking come out as something that is pure and life-giving to yourself and to everyone around you. Yes. And on that note, I know you write a lot um and you talk a lot about being stuck and perhaps people going through that in their lives and I've been there before too. So what are the ways that you guide people through getting that, getting through that place of stuckness if they're feeling that way? Um, it depends, you know, on the person. Um, generally, I think it is a matter of stopping and moving out of self-judgment and into acceptance right? Surrendering to, okay, this is how it was, but this is where I am right now. And right now is a clean blank slate. What do I want to fill this up with? And from there, moving into a place of discovering and and kind of unearthing yourself out of all of that stuff from before and saying, what what is deep down in here that maybe hasn't been able to be expressed? Um, what are the things that I do hold closest to my heart? What do I need to express to the people around me, to myself? Um, 
and then moving into a place of owning who you are and who you want to become and then you know living that truth without apology because I think we're all really good especially as women for apologizing who we are yes and we don't fill the space that we have in front of us and when we can stand in that and really live in a state of you know radical self-love which feels radical it's probably like the normal amount of love we're supposed to have for ourselves but it feels like it's like overwhelming and overflowing Mm -hmm. when we're filling ourselves up with no you're really awesome I mean you look in the mirror oh you're doing a good job um you know it feels very unnatural and you know boastful and egoic but it's it's not right like if you were what would you tell your best friend right? Why, why do you treat your best friend better than you treat yourself? Like you should be your best friend, right? Like Mm -hmm. you are your, you are your own guru. Everything is inside of you. And how can you pull that everything out? How can you be everything that you're supposed to be? Yes. Uh, And that's something, some of the women that come to me, that idea is completely foreign to them. Like, um, Mm -hmm. and they can't even look in the mirror and say, I like you. Uh, so, so sometimes I'll focus on just getting to a place of neutrality first, um, because going to, I love you or I like you or any of those things just seems so foreign and unnatural, Mm -hmm. uh, that a place of neutrality, maybe even for their bodies at the moment, um, is a good stepping stone for them to, to get there. But I really love the way that, that you put that and, Mindset is another thing that I talk about a lot. And that's mm-hmm. another term that is thrown around a lot. It's been, I think, distilled down a little bit. So I would love your thoughts about mindset. I know you talk about reframing your perspective and your circumstances. So I would love if you could talk about that for a little bit. Um, okay. Mindset to me is intention. And it's being conscious of what you don't want to have happen and what you do want to have happen and putting your focus on the things you do want and being aware of the sort of the minefields of what you don't want that are there, but you kind of, by being aware of them, you see them and you can walk around them instead of going headfirst into them and setting yourself up to have a very positive experience because that is where your intention and your energy is going. It's all, you know, almost like visualization, right? Mm -hmm. In a way. Um, So that, that to me is the core piece of that. Um, And then the mindset that comes about through training ourselves to see differently, which another component of helping people reframe themselves and getting unstuck is appreciating the smallness of life, Mm. where I think the magic is. So starting a gratitude practice. And I was the biggest disbeliever of this. I was like, you have to be kidding me that just writing three things down every day is going to transform. It's too simple. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, so then I think like Oprah came out and was like, this is life changing. So I was like, all right, you know, for 30 days, I can do anything for 30 days. So let me just give this a try. And I joke was on me because now this is like next to living in a state of presence. This is like my my second piece to my foundation because you move away from writing down all the big things at first. Oh, I've got my house, my job, my partner. And you run out of those big things pretty quickly because there aren't that many of them in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So we step back and we can notice the really tiny moments that are happening all the time. And it really does transform your vision. Totally. And I think in general, there's this sort of um, perspective that 
or train of thought or narrative that everything has to be like amazing and grand and um you know in order to have this happy life you have to have all these different things and vacations and i when i think back to some of my happiest moments they're literally like me doing the dishes or mm-hmm. me getting the mail or walking at sunset things that are free things mm-hmm. that you know things that are really not that don't look that special but if we keep that intention and again if we sort of dial up the presence and the degree of attention to which we're paying at any given moment yeah a lot of things can be really awesome that uh-huh. are super simple Oh, totally. So the person who taught me most about presence, um, sorry, Eckhart Tolle, but it was actually, (laughs) but it was actually my dad who was not into any of this stuff at all. And he, and he taught it to me during, when he was in the late stages of Alzheimer's because there is, there's no past, there's no future, right? He couldn't tell me what he had for lunch and a half hour ago. Um, he didn't understand what it meant when I said, I'm, I'll be here tomorrow or in two days. What mattered and what he understood was everything that was right in this moment. And when I started to see this and understand that, like, he just wants me to rub his back right now, or we're just going to sit here outside and appreciate what's happening over there in the woods. Um, that coupled with me writing my gratitudes down every day, I think enabled me not to miss the moments of sitting there with him and just feeling him squeeze my hand, which from him was, I love you. Yeah. And if I had been so focused on cleaning his wheelchair or, you know, making sure his laundry was all put away or whatever it was, I would never have had that moment and felt that. And like you said, it's free. It's little. It's right. It's like insignificant. If somebody squeezed your hand, who cares? But I will never forget that. I would do anything to be able to feel that squeeze again. Yes. And it's such an important message, you know, that so many people I think need to hear that we don't need to strive so much for all of these things, especially like physical things. Um, I've sort of been going through my own transformation with my shopping habits and my accumulation of stuff. Um, But knowing that if we just look around and pay attention to the really special things that are going on around us, they can be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else that I love that you say... um, is the fact of owning your story or that you talk about and that you help women with because for many of us, it's hard to do that. And we think that by owning our story and talking about it and being vulnerable about it will mean that nobody's going to like us or that somebody's going to think we're weird. Yep. So what is the power of owning our story, uh, especially through the transitions and the changes and the struggles in our lives? Oh my God, complete liberation, like dropping (laughs) everything that's heavy and being able to live in freedom. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. Um, I gave a talk recently and the whole ride to the talk, I was second guessing myself because part of my presentation was where I hold up a pair of old lady granny panties. Mm that belonged to a woman who was taking advantage of my post-Alzheimer's diagnosis father. And when I discovered these granny panties in the laundry that somehow got snuck in with his, I, one, had a complete freak out in front of my washing machine, Mm -hmm. um, but was alerted to, okay, there's something here going on. And I wanted to incorporate this story and how this like helped me use my grit and, you know, that this should have been the grittiest moment of my life, but it really wasn't. Um, And it was sort of like the comic relief moment of holding up these white granny panties. And I was like, okay, this might be going too far. People might be offended by this. Like it could be, I, maybe I shouldn't. I should. I, so I went ahead and did it. And 
after the presentation, when I was doing Q&A, a woman in the audience, first woman who spoke, raised her hand. She says, I just need to tell you, and I hadn't shown these underwear to anybody. Nobody even knew I had them. Um, she said, I just need to tell you, the same thing happened to my father, except that the underwear were six times the size oh. of the ones that you had. <laughs> and the whole room you know, started laughing. And I was instantly like, oh, my gosh, thank you. And I saw her afterward. And I said, I'm so happy that you shared that story because I was really second guessing myself. And you one made me feel less alone and we all laughed. And that I think is the thing that happens is when you let that thing out that you think is going to just silence the room, that 10 times out of 10 is the thing that brings people together because everybody's walking around with all of this stuff that we hold. And when we, and when we let it out, it's like, Oh yeah, me too. Yes. Yes. Oh, (laughs) And the feeling of relief and like, oh, my God, wait, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not in the freak show p- portion of the circus. I'm in like the main ring with everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so funny because we might spend years, decades hiding that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an eating, a couple eating disorders and I hid it from, I didn't tell anybody at all till I was till maybe eight years after I went through it, kept it completely silent. And then I started telling friends, boyfriends. Um, I didn't even, it was really hard for me to tell my parents. I didn't tell them until later. And then this past year, I've started really sharing my story with my audience. And it has been the thing that has brought people to me. And um, we get healing as well when we share the things that we're scared to share. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I have been through depression and as sometimes comes with depression, right? That you don't want to eat. So that was my first go around with it. And I just, I just couldn't, I just wanted to just disappear. And when I remember, I remember I came home and I sat with my mom and I said, I, there's something wrong. Like there's some things going on and I'm realizing other things that happened when I was a young kid and there was some abuse that happened. And she looked at me and she goes, none of that ever happened. And whatever you do, don't tell anybody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't. And, and that was, and so now I can realize now that I'm not 19, that Mm -hmm. that was about her though. That was her fear and nonetheless, it got put on me, right? So talking about excavating ourselves out of stuff, it took a long time for me to get to that realization of like, that wasn't my baggage she unloaded in the kitchen. It, that was, that was you know, that's all hers. And it, her, it, it's, we get silenced, right? There's a lot of different yes. factors that make us stay quiet, right? To be that good girl, to look, make appearances look fine. And all it does is eat away at us. Yes. And I had the same experience too, telling my parents and having them say, oh no, you're like, you know, we've given you a perfect life. That can't be true. Yes. 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 You know, so so as long as everything is okay on the outside, how can you possibly be depressed? Because I struggle with depression as well. How can you possibly be anxious? Everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, go ahead. And it's like, and it's like saying, how do you have the flu? Yes. What do you mean you have the flu? <laughs> yes. Look at your beautiful house. And it's like, yes. well, wait, I'm, I'm sick. There's something chemically happening. And that's something that I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I think there needs to be a better understanding in the world of mental illness and depression because it is something that's chemically happening in your body that doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how successful you are or how perfectly straight your teeth are. Yes. It's it's something it's like you're being sick and you have to do something actively to, you know, turn yourself around, right? So sometimes that might mean medication, therapy, exercise, new friends, new things, um, you know, the whole, the whole thing, all of, all of it that, that we need to do when we need to come out of that space. Yes. And that sort of everything that you just said was sort of the healing that has happened for me and, and for so many people out there to know that it's just like 
a thing that can happen in your brain and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's your fault. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Um, I actually went on medication two years ago and it totally changed my life. To, like it brought me back to normalcy mm-hmm. and not like normalcy doesn't even exist, but it just brought me back to sort of uh, sea level where <gasps> I wasn't drowning anymore. And just that one thing, like nothing changed in my life. So that made me believe like, okay, this is actually like a physical neurotransmitter chemical thing that's probably happening, been happening my whole life. It's just that now I'm not covering it up with food or alcohol or mm-hmm. any of these other addictions that I developed. Uh, so, so yeah, I love that. And we could probably have a whole other podcast episode about, <laughs> about yes. mental illness. Um yeah. And I love that you say that it brings you up to sea level because that's sort of my analogy too. It's like it feels like you're just going deeper and deeper into the ocean. And when you, you know, and sometimes you can't get out of the thing you're in until you hit that rock bottom. Yes. But the good thing about hitting the rock bottom is it gives you a place to put your feet and propel and push yourself off of that bottom and get yourself back up to the top. Mm. And medication for me was the thing that kept me from hitting the bottom. And it was like a bungee cord that like I might drop again. I might get kind of low, but I was never going to hit that low, low point. And then eventually after enough bounces on the bungee cord, I would be back up on sea level and I would be floating again and able to breathe. Yes. And during those bungee jumps, I would be, you know, doing therapy and all the other things and the writing and the, you know, everything that we do to get ourselves out of that. And that is, you know, and I know a lot of people too are afraid of, oh, I can't go on medication. That What will people think? Like mm. it's, and it's not like that. Like if you had a sinus infection, you would go and get antibiotics. And it's the same thing for this. There yes. is no shame at all in getting the help that you need. Absolutely. And it's just a sign that we'll have to have you on again to talk about all of that because, um, or to go deeper into all of that, because I, I resisted going on medication for years because I'm like, if I just do, if I eat all the perfect food, if I do all the yoga, if I exercise, um, then everything is going to be fine. And then when it doesn't feel good still, then it can bring a lot of shame too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing everything and it's just not working and everything's well, oh, great. Well, all of those things that you just mentioned, are you trying to control it? Yes. Yes. And you can't control it. You have That's to just... let it happen. You have to surrender to it and accept that it's here and then treat it. Yes. That's such a great way of putting it. Um, well, we could talk forever. Um, I know I'm going to have you on again at some point in the future. Um, I always ask my guests just a few quick fire questions. We already answered one of them, which was about uh, spirituality. But um, I'm a huge reader and I love books. So are there any books? I know you've mentioned a few um, that have had just a huge impact on your life. Um, the Power of Now. Eckhart Tolle and if you can't bear to read him just find a few YouTube videos and yes. get the gist of what he's talking about um, don't do it at night though because he can put you to yeah. sleep he's actually my insomnia partner like, oh in the middle gosh. of the night yeah <laughs> um, uh, when things fall apart by mm. Pima Chodron uh, the principles of uncertainty by Myra Kalman. She's an illustrator. She's not a philosopher, but she sort of is in her own way. Mm-hmm. Um, the first sentence of her book is, what is it here? She asks, how can I tell you everything that is in my heart? And then it just goes from there. Mm. Like, oh, it's so probably amazing. I've never heard just, of that. It's beautiful. It's just observations on life and living and it's very whimsical and fun and happy and then I would probably say the collected poems of Anne Sexton Mm, I haven't heard of that either I'll have to definitely look those up um and the power of now is the most common answer that I get on the show uh and I listen to that book once a year 
Oh, I, no, no doubt. I, yes. I am right there with you. I do all sorts of his classes and his other books and everything else. He's, he's constantly in my audible lineup. Yes. Yes. And I had his book on my bookshelf for five years before I ever picked it up. Like I got oh, wow. it and I'm like, I knew I needed to read it. Five years it sat there. I'm like, oh, I could be five years, you know. Yes. It's, it's like one of the things that I kick myself over. But <laughs> but maybe you read it at the time was, that you were able it, to absorb it. Exactly. You know? it, yeah. Everything in time. And another question that I ask is purely selfish, just because I'm curious, but <laughs> if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Um, I'm going to do an appetizer of all the cheese yes. <laughs> and all the French fries, and then I will move on to anything at all from my favorite restaurant in Pennsylvania um, that serves all food sourced from local farms. Oh, that's it's probably super fresh and delicious it's, and amazing. It's fresh, simple, yeah, flavorful, complex and just perfection. Yeah. Love it. And the last question that I ask is what is the greatest advice that you've ever received? And it doesn't have to be something like grand, but just something that has been impactful for you. All right. Going back to that first depression and the therapist that I had at the time, she told me that you can grow a beautiful garden within your life. You just have to know what kind of soil you have so that you can plant the seeds that will flourish. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? Yes. And to me, that's mindset, mm -hmm. you know, is to having the... Um, a mindset that will allow you to have the things that you want or even to see that you already have them in some cases. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. This was incredible. And I know that the listeners are going to get so many insights and gems um, just about so many other things that we talk about on the show that can relate to food, uh, our bodies. Um, let the listeners know where they can find you online and Maybe you can talk a little bit about your work back, workbook and kind of what's going on with you now. Okay. So anything and everything you need to know is at thelongestdance.com. And there you can find the podcast, um, which is filled with people who have experienced transformations and have been in the tunnel and come out of it. Um, and I work one-on-one -on -one with women who are transitioning into new phases of their lives and encourage them to turn up their volume and really broadcast the best versions of themselves through, like we're talking about shifting their mindset and taking that ownership of who they truly are and just trusting in all that goodness that is inherently inside each and every one of us. And out of that has come a workbook that I co-authored that just came out like a month and a half ago called My Grit, Grace, and Gratitude. And this is just a fun, colorful, lighthearted way to stop and reflect and dip your toes into getting to that space of knowing the things that you don't want in your life and the things that you do want in your life and just creates some easy moments for pause. And that is on the resources page of the website. Perfect. And we'll be sure to put everything um, in the show notes, links to your podcast and your website and to the workbook. But thank you so much again for coming on the show. I really, really love talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And I love the work that you are doing and the women that you are connecting with on your show, because we all learn so much from one another when we share our stories, which is what you're having everybody do. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.